Okay, leading us. Thanks for Daniel filling in back there and trying to catch up and chain, I tell you. Hey, it looks like they've got it under control now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand I, the, uh, the video's a challenge on a, on a good day, and then other times it can be even more of a challenge. Uh, technology is is exciting and terrifying all at once, and uh, it, uh, you never know what's going to happen with it. And it's supposed to help us out, and sometimes I wonder. But uh, anyway, we are um, we're in, a, in interesting times these days, and so I thought I would pull this out. And we're in Second Chronicles chapter seven. That's in the Old Testament. It's on page eight forty. If you need uh, in mine, anyway, I don't know what's yours. Um, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 11. <coughs> I'm going to just set this up a little bit. This is after the, the building of the temple. Solomon had just built the temple. He had prayed his dedication prayer in chapter 6. And a glorious prayer. And then this is kind of the Lord answering back to Solomon. So um, those that are able, if you'd like to stand as we read God's word. Beginning in verse 7. Solomon consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord. And we, there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings, because the bronze altar he had made could not hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat portions. So Solomon observed the festival. I, I read earlier than I said I was going to. Didn't I? Anyway, giving you some background. So Solomon observed the festival at that time for seven days, and all of Israel with him, a vast assembly, people from Lebo, Hamath, and Dewaldi of Egypt. On the eighth day they held an assembly, for they had celebrated the dedications of the altar for seven days and the festival for seven days. On the seven days more, on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent, sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. So now where are we going to start? When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own place, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forget, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me as David your father did and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted, covenanted with David, your father, when I said, you shall never fail to have a man to rule over Israel. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from, all, from my land, which I have given them, and will reject this temple, and I have consecrated, temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. And though this temple is now so imposing, all who pass by will be appalled and say, 
why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt and embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why he brought all this disaster on them. And God bless the reading of his word. Have y'all ever wondered if God really hears us sometimes when we pray? Yeah, you know, we used to call it bouncing off the ceilings, you know, prayer bounce off the ceilings or whatever, you know. When things go the ways we expect it, or we, you know, when things don't go the way we expect it to go, we wonder sometimes. And we feel like it's the way God would, we want it, we, we think it, we know which way we, God would want things to go, but yet it doesn't. And we kind of go, wait a minute, Lord, I know this is how you want to see things go. I know you want to see that the, the United States follow God in everything they do. I know you do. So why don't they? And, and why does everything get so tumultuous? And why is it other thing? Why in, in Forest Heights Baptist Church do we not get packed houses? Or why don't we get all these new people? Why won't all these people in this neighborhood just come flocking in here? We don't understand these. I guess sometimes when we think God is trying to answer us in a different way than we think we're getting, or we don't understand what he's saying, or we're just confused, we have to stop and regroup. You ever thought about stopping and regrouping? My guess, the leadership of this church has stopped and regrouped on numerous times. I know in my lifetime, I've stopped and regrouped. All right, Lord, things are not going exactly like I expected them to. Now, wait a minute. Am I, am I going the wrong direction? What is it you want? Why are you having this youth group be so rebellious? Or why are you having this thing happen? Or, you know, all the questions we have when things don't go perfectly all the time. We want them to. We expect them to. We know God. We prayed about it. Uh, you know, I, I've gone to do things and prayed it over real quick and then, Walked out and, and just bombed, you know, just fall apart. Everything just, boom. and I go, no, wait a minute, God, don't you want me to do this? You know, I'm, I'm taking my piano proficiency in college, and I don't play piano very well, and I'm struggling and all that, and I'm bombing, and I'm going, Lord, don't you want me to graduate so I can keep on going? I got to get this, you know, and you work and you try to do things, you don't understand it. We, it is important to analyze any situation and see what it needs to be done. Do we need to change it? Do we need to change our course of action? Or do we need to stop and listen? Do we just keep up with the flow and do it? Or do we totally change directions? You know, we all go through that, right? We, we, do we want things, to, do we just kind of go with the flow and just kind of keep going along and pray God's going to work it out? Or do we stop and go, well, wait, Lord, what, what exactly do you want us to do? Um, many of you know I've talked about Rosemont because it's kind of been my, my pastorate. You know, I was there 10 years. And we ro relocated our church there while I was there. And I got to be the pastor that actually pulled the trigger and relocated it. Now, it had been in the works. We'd been saving up money. We'd have been trying to figure out how we were going to work it. And... We, they, we couldn't get them to do it. They were just saving their money. They were just stockpiling it up. And we're in a neighborhood that we was changing. We're kind of going now, do we just keep on going and keep trying to reach this? 
which we've been trying to do. Do we keep on going or do we go, okay, it's time to change and figure out a different direction? Well, that's a scary thing to do. Trust me. We started putting, the, we had the plans built. I'll even tell you, $120,000 for plans for a church building. We got them, got some bids from builders. They wanted $3 million to build those, that building. We didn't have $3 million. We were closing in on one million, but that meant we were more than two million short. That meant we would have to borrow two million plus. The bank said we couldn't borrow two million plus, even though the bank was our friend and our people, and we knew them and had used them for years and years and years and years and years and years. They said, the, the, the figures don't add up, as my finance people would say. And we kind of told them, but God will provide. And the bank won't sign on God will provide. He should. You'd think. He was a Christian man, the president of the bank. But he still wouldn't do it. We had to go back to the church after they had spent said $120,000 on said plans and say we need to have them shrunk and do them again and it's going to cost another $70,000 to do that. Now you think about your size church. Ours was a little larger than this, but we weren't a rich, big church where 120000 was no big deal. Because I had to go to the church, basically at a church conference and say, you know that 120000 we spent? We just washed it away. We just flushed it down the toilet. We just sent it in the sky. It's gone. We need another 70. Folks, I was not excited about that business meeting. I was not wanting to go there. Matter of fact, I was thinking, who could lead this business? Wouldn't be my chairman of deacons would lead the meeting. No, what did I say this morning? The buck stops here. I had to go. Trust me, there were more than one hour prayed before that meeting. There was lots of hours prayed before that meeting. I want you to know that God took over that meeting. It turned out to be smooth. Nobody's, nobody was upset. My head didn't roll. None of that they voted to do it. I thought they might go with a whole different thing and do, you know, pay a little bit less and get some plans that were pre-done or something. Nope. We'll pay the whole 70000 We'll do it. No problem. Let's do it. Boom, 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 boom. Next thing I know, we're building the church. Building. Building. <laughs> That's what God does when you're in his will and when you follow him. At the time, I'm kind of going, maybe we need to rethink this too. It would have been easier, let's face it. We had a nice facility, we had plenty of room. We were not out of room. We had, we had 27 or 28,000 square feet of building. Had a sanctuary that was fine, it had been re, re, remodeled not that long ago. We had a ton 
of education space. It was awesome. I wished I could have drugged the whole facility out to the new land, but we couldn't. We were not seen. People wouldn't come. We were not getting guests. When we relocated, the guests started pouring in. The people said, oh, this is a church we can go to now. I literally had people said, I didn't know I could go to that church because of where it was located and what they thought. They thought, different church, uh, not many. I don't get it, but what we did was we turned it over to God. We stopped, we listened, we let God speak. And that's what we have to do sometimes. We have to stop, let God speak. We, have we humbled ourselves or do we feel like it should be done our way? I had to humble myself. Trust me, I wanted those other plant, that other building that we were going to build was so nice. It had an office suite. I had a facade office and a study office. Never had one of those before. Those of you that know me, well, most of y'all don't really because I've only got this a couple things in this office. My desk was piled like this most of the time. You know, I'm a piler. Put this pile this or stack here, that stack there, stack there. I keep a very messy desk. So the thought of having a desk to study in that could keep messy, and then a facade one where I could have people come in and visit me or see me for counseling or for whatever, and have a nice clean was very intriguing to me. But that's not what God had in mind. God had in mind something else. God knew COVID was coming. God knew other things were coming. God knew that we didn't need to start there. We needed to work and cram that one full first, which we did. It's interesting to see when God works. We try to, sometimes we have trouble with handling difficulties because we're so busy patting ourselves on the back. I get to redo this, but look at me. I'm great. I'm a good pastor. No. God kept me humble, trust me. About the time I had to go to that business meeting, I got humbled real quick. That's what he does. He keeps us humble. And we need to keep humble before him because we don't have the answers. I don't. I do not have the answers. I like to think I do. I like to think I have the magic tricks that'll work. I like to think I've had a, if there was just this perfect formula that could make a church grow and make people follow him and make people grow in their, their walk with the Lord, boy, would that be great. And there's a thousand books out there trying to tell you that's the way to do it. And guess what? They don't work in every situation. What worked at Rosemont ain't going to work at Forest Heights. What works at Forest Heights ain't going to work down the street at Beach Haven. There's, you see what I'm saying? It's our job to find God's will for our church, for us. That's how we grow. That's how we get in the center of his will. Have we been called? Have we been called by God's name? You see, we belong to God. I've got that. We're not our own peoples. When we ask Christ in our life, when we get become part of that family, we're his. We belong to him. We need to be associated with him. When people see us, do they see him? That's what, that's what needs to happen. When they see us, they need to see Christ. 
they need to see him in us. Do they think God's chosen people when they see you? Who is your ownership? Who owns you? We want to take it over. <laughs> I'll do it myself. I'll handle it myself. No, that's not it. When we pray, do we trigger the grace of God? Think about it. We have earnestly to, we have to earnestly seek the face of God. And praying is the only way to seek the face of God. That's how we get to know him. That's how we get close to him, is by praying, by talking to him, spending time with him. That's how we get to know him. That's how it works. That's how we communicate. And we need to continuously work on that. It's hard, folks. I am not saying this is stuff that's easy. This is the Sunday night crowd. I preach hard stuff, y'all. Right? Because we're the folks that are working at it. You know, I mean, let's face it. We're, we're the ones that are trying, okay, now well, we really do want to get there. How do we do it? How do we really seek your face? The only way we can seek the face of God is to actually seek the face of God. Look for it. Where do we see it? Everywhere we are. We should be seeing God's face. We, we should, that's it. That's what he's trying to get me to do. When pestilence comes, and it will, <laughs> we, have y'all faced pestilence? Do we know what pestilence is? When trials come, when things go wrong, when things go bad, when you think you got it all under control and life's smooth sailing and it goes boom in front of you. You know, he tells us it will come. We must take heart in the fact that God will be with us. He told him in this scripture passage, when, the, when I cease the rain to come, when the locusts come to devour the earth, when, he didn't say if it does. He says it's going to come. And so what are you going to do about it when it comes? And see, we, we forget that. Folks, <laughs> we live in a world right now that if we haven't figured out the pestilence has come, it's time to open our eyes, you know, because the COVID pestilence, the crazy bureaucrats, have, have all you, you can line it up what's come. All the things, the wrong is right, the right is wrong. All of our moral situation is out the window. I mean, everything about it is just like, I, I was he hearing some of them talking this morning about the, some of the whippings their grandparents gave them. They were talking about it in Sunday school this morning. And, and you know, I look back at that and I go, you know, I remember my grandmama would whip me. You know, she would too. She, only she'd make me go out and pick my own switch to whip me with. I wouldn't, she wouldn't pick it for me. She made me go out and if it was too small, she'd try, go try again, you know. And it wasn't no running from her. And you weren't, no, you weren't running from my mom. My mom was going to take care of things, you know. My grandfather, not a time. But my, my mom, uh, she, Pop Pop didn't. My mom did, you know. That was the way it was. And, and I said, well, you know, us grandparents today, we did. <laughs> you want more candy, kid? You, know, you want more of the, you know, I, don't, I never thought about whipping one of my grandkids. <laughs> that, that never crossed my mind. Um, and probably because I told some of them the story this morning about when Troy got my, my, my mom, his grandmom, smacked his hand in about like that. He had done something and she just smacked it. Well, you thought she killed him. He told everybody he came in contact what Granny did to him. 
and he'd beat that arm harder than she did about how Granny did this and all that. You think my mom ever touched him again? Not a chance. Uh-uh, buddy. She didn't see him enough. She did that. But, you know, that's the way it is. And we are, the times have changed where grandparents can take on things like that or when anybody can take on things like that. I remember in our neighborhood, a neighbor was just as welcome to whoop me as anybody else. If you were in the neighborhood, you were out playing, you did something wrong. My parents didn't care if my neighbor, one of my neighbors took me across their knee because they knew I probably deserved it. And, and you know, would probably, then, what was it? Back in my day, they would give whoopings at school. Now, I don't know if any of y'all had them whoopings at school. But if I got a whooping at school, then I was going to get another one and I got home because I got whooped at school, right? And wasn't doing I don't know if that's how it worked in your house, but that's how it worked in my house, right? And you see, now there is no consequences, right? I mean, let's face it. That we, I mean, criminals are getting away with stuff. When people can walk into a drugstore and carry out $999 worth of stuff without having anything happen to them, and walk by the security guard and do it, there's a problem. We've got pestilence in our world today. And we understand that. He said it's going to happen. So God's answer to us and to Solomon, after Solomon had prayed, he said um, that God answers back that even though the situation may be bleak, that we have sinned, God is promising to be with us. If. If we will pray, if we will seek his face, if we will humble ourselves, then we will hear from heaven and he will heal our land when we've turned from our wicked ways. Our problem is our land does need healing. I think we can all agree with that. Our land's only hope is God. I think we can all agree with that. Our problem is, will we let him do it? We can't always assume that all this stuff going on is against his will. And what I mean by that is, is he trying to teach us lessons? Because he told them, here again in here, saying, when I command that there's no rain, when I say, when I command locusts to devour the land, when I send a plague among my people, we got a plague going on right now? Hmm, sounds like one to me. Then, we as the people have got to go and pray and seek his face and turn it all over to him we can't assume that he's not trying to teach us something we must support and do everything in our power to find God's will and live in it we have trying times ahead of us I have no doubt they're much more trying than I think any of us really even understand or can fathom right now. I, I wish it was we've hit the bottom and hit the darkest we're going to be, but I'm afraid we haven't. 
If I saw some turning, I might think that. But to me, they seem to be what I say, what we call doubling down on it. They seem to be going even farther. How much farther can we stretch it? How much farther can we push? And our first reaction may be to fight or flight. I can't tell you, I, I would be lying if I told you I've not thought about, now what other country could I live in? Seriously, I really have. I've thought about where else could I go that would be better? That would be flight. I would be lying if I said I'm, I'm not worried about another civil war. That would be fight. I pray that it's, we're not there or going there, but I don't know. I don't know. But you see, what we really need to do is find a way to seek God and let him heal our land. We're not going to be able to do it, folks. We can't heal the land. They're not listening. They think they have all the answers. They think they know more than we do. All we can do is humble ourselves and pray, turn ourselves from our wicked ways, and continue to do what we know we're supposed to do in getting God's will. And then say, God, you got this. We trust you. We want, to want you to take care of it. We are charged to be faithful, loving, concerned, obedient followers of him. That's what we're called to be. And if we will do that, we can maybe get him to take over and heal this land. And when God's people work that way, we can, we can see change. It's easy to say he didn't answer our prayers when things don't go the way we thought they should. If you remember, if you read through this Old Testament, there, he appointed some kings just, they were bad people. And he appointed them as kings to teach them that you go your own way and see where it gets you. He told Solomon, if you'll keep up following me, one of your household will always be in control. All his household didn't always follow him, did they? And they didn't get control. That temple's not standing anymore. People have what? What did he say would happen? They would make a joke out of it. I, I, the message says it kind of funny. Um, it says that I'll wipe Israel right off the map and repudiate his temple. I've just sanctified him to my honor my name. And Israel will look be nothing but a bad joke among the peoples of the world. And that's kind of what's happened, hasn't it? Why? They didn't humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. They kept following. Maybe he knew that this is what we need at this time. We, as Christians, must be prepared to stand up for our faith because we're obviously going to get called out to do this. If we don't stand up for our faith, we're going to be, we're going to be called out to do it, folks. We're going to have opportunities to decide I'm going to stand up for my faith or I'm not going to stand up for my faith. We have to know our beliefs. Folks, please know what you believe. I love the song. I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I unto him I give that day. 
because that day is coming. It's kind of already here. And if we don't know our beliefs and are strong in them, we're going to be in trouble. We need to major on the things that are important. We've got to pray for little things and understand that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Not a one of us in here hadn't sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we've got to continue to pray. So how are we going to help this sin-filled country see God's face in us? You see, that's the answer. When they are out there and they keep looking towards us and they see Christ, when they see God's face, that's what will help them turn. They will need to see that difference. How will we handle negative stuff? How will we handle persecution? Because it's coming. We humble ourselves, we seek his face, and we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And we pray some more. Because folks, that's our only answer. We have no other options. We are in the pestilence. It started. Now it's up to us. God's people. Pray. And to seek Him and seek His direction. And I'm just naive enough to believe that He'll do it. That He'll take care of it that he'll help us through every step of the way. I just trust him to do that. And I think he will. He's told us in his words, if we'll do these things, he will come and heal our land. So we've got to work one by one to get enough folks to pray, humble themselves, and turn from their wicked ways so that he'll heal our land. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us. Lord, we need you. We need forgiveness from our wicked ways, Lord. We have done so many things. We all sin and we fall short. And Lord, we need your forgiveness. Lord, we need you to permeate our lives and to live through us. We need you, Lord, to help us. Help heal our land. Help heal our souls. Help heal our church. Help heal our homes. Help heal us individually. Because, Lord, you are our only hope. And we turn our whole lives over to you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your promises. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to sing now as, as our closing hymn, our invitation hymn. I invite you to come. We've got to leave decisions to make, but then we're going to sing the precious Lord.